Good morning, everyone. So today is a special day for Pastor Ike and his family, as it's 20 years that they have been serving in this church. But it's also a big day for me and Ike. I shared this with them earlier. Today is our 11-year friend anniversary on Facebook. So um, I'm sure I'm sure 11 years ago Ike did a sermon. I'm like, man, I want to be that guy's friend. So thank you, Ike, for these amazing 11 years that we've had as friends. Thank you. So good morning, everyone. My name is Jonathan Newfeld, and I am an associate pastor here at Deer Run Church. And I have the privilege of walking alongside the youth and the young adults in both ministries. And today, I have the privilege to speak on a topic that's exciting for me. Um, and it's exciting because it's something that I need to look into myself. This is something that, that I need to understand better. This topic could very well be the theme verse, or like the theme, not verse, but like the theme for my year, or my life for the past year and a half. And the theme is this, um, transition. My life has been a huge transition for a whole year and a half, and I'm gonna explain why in just a minute. But since I worked with teens and young adults, if I had to give that ministry a new name, I would call it Transition Ministries. I would call it this because during these times in life, it is one transition after another. One change, one condition, one process after another. For those of you who have, um, teen, or have teens yourself or who have been parents to teens, you'll understand this better than I do, but I would consider transitions to be like, like rolling a snowball. Like it starts out very slow, starts out very small, but it doesn't take long for it to build. It doesn't take long for it to grow. And maybe you have kids that have been like packing snow, like they're like, they won't stop growing. And like, yeah, like look at them grow. Like, are they ever gonna slow down? Or maybe it's like the light fluffy snow and you're like, come on, like, are you ever gonna grow up? Like this transition is taking longer than it should, I think. But that is transition, and we are all going through transitions. And like I said a few minutes ago, within the past year and a half, I myself have been in constant transition. I graduated college, I joined the staff here at Duran Church, I got engaged to my fiance Esther, we bought a house, and in 20 days I'll be making one of the biggest transitions of my life, which is marriage. When I, started or when I said transition is the theme of my life, um, I wasn't kidding, and that being said, I can't say I know everything about it, and I don't understand everything about it, but it's something that I want to learn more of. And I hope that through our time today, through our time this morning, that we can grow and just understand what it means to be um, healthy in transition and grow with healthy transition. So maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, okay, I'm starting a new school. Like I'm going into grade school, high school, college, university. Or maybe you're getting a new job. Or maybe you're losing a job. Um, maybe you're interested in that girl at youth giving you the googly eyes or um, maybe you're getting into dating or engaged or marriage. Um, we are all in transition. And maybe today you are here at Duran Church and your transition in life is, do I want to become a follower of Christ? Maybe that is the transition that is on your heart. Um, every single one of us in this room has underwent some sort of transition recently or um, we're about to enter in, into a new chapter. So my question this morning for us is this. What's stopping us from healthy transition towards Christ? Or in other words, what is, what is our next step towards becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ? And what's stopping us from making it? So before I jump in, I just want to have a word of prayer and then we will continue on. And dear God, I want to thank you, for, thank you for today. Thank you for this beautiful weather that we have. And thank you for Ike and Maria that they've been able to serve here for, for 20 years. And just the encouragement and the blessing that that's been. And I just want to pray as we go through transitions in our life that we are totally devoted to you, Lord, that we are willing to, to take the next step that you lead us, Lord. And as we do this, yeah, I pray that we are bold, that we are ready, and that we are willing to, to make those moves, Lord. So thank you so much that you care for us, and that you love us, and that you always provide for us when we are in need. Amen. So 
This morning, we're going to be jumping through um, different passages of scripture and looking at situations where transition is needed. Each individual has their own response to God, and I think these responses are common for many of us, and I think we can learn something from each one of these stories. Um, so the first story we're going to be looking at is found in Exodus, and it's chapter 3 and 4. So if you have your um, Bibles, you can look there. Um, but yeah, 3 and 4. And I just kind of want to do a quick glimpse of Moses' life. And it says, Moses' life, like his, his, his life is amazing, and it's nothing short of a miracle that he survived. Um, Moses was born during a time of great oppression under the ruling of Pharaoh. The Israelites were slaves under Pharaoh, but that didn't stop them from growing, which meant um, in a short period of time, there was no controlling them. They would have overpowered Pharaoh, so Pharaoh had to do something. This worried him, so he had the Israelites worked to no end. He pushed them to no end, but still nothing stopped them. So finally, Pharaoh gave the order, every Hebrew boy that is born must be thrown into the Nile. And this is where Moses was born. So I just want to do like a quick run through of chapter um, one and two, and then we'll jump into three. And it says, or yeah, and the quick run through is, um, yeah, Moses was hidden for three months after his birth, placed in a basket and sent down the Nile, found by, Mer found by Pharaoh's daughter, and then was raised under Pharaoh. Once he had grown, he had noticed the oppression his people suffered. He ended up murdering a slave driver and fled for his life in fear of Pharaoh. Moses ends up getting married, has a son, and lives a peaceful life helping his father-in-law tend the flocks. And that's just like a glimpse of the story. And if, if that at all catches your attention, I, I encourage you to keep on reading because this is a, such a good story. Um, and yeah, if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 3. That's what we'll be reading from. 3, 7 to 10. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along or go on the YouVersion Bible app. It's there as well. And Exodus 3, 7 to 10 reads, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of the slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God sends, um, God has seen the need of his people. He heard them cry out. He saw the misery. God was concerned about the suffering. God calls to Moses to be a leader. God calls Moses to make a transition in his life. And by doing this, it totally pushed him out of his comfort zone. And to no surprise, Moses responds in the same way that many of us respond, and it's with excuses. In verses 11 to 15, Moses tries to reason with God. He says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign that you, sign to you that it is I who have sent you. You have brought the people out of Egypt, and you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask, what is, his, what is his name? What, then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you should say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is the name you shall call me from generation to generation. 
So God reassures Moses. He encourages Moses. But still, Moses finds excuses. And in chapter 4, Moses continues. He says, well, what if they don't listen? Like, I'm not a good speaker. I, 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 what, if, what are they going to do? Like, can't you send somebody else? Can't you send somebody else? Moses gives excuse after excuse, trying to persuade God and send someone else. He pleads with God, but God answers every time. God is continually reassuring Moses that it is not by Moses' ability um, that this is possible, that it is through the strength of God. Um, and it is by the strength of God that this is possible, not by Moses. So again, Moses says, can't you send somebody else? I think Moses is in a spot in life where we find ourselves often. Moses has become comfortable. Um, he's no longer under, under any oppression. He's safe from Pharaoh. He no longer has to witness any people being mistreated or abused. He's living a happy, safe, comfortable life. He's got a wife, a son. He's taking care of his father's flock. Things are looking good for him. He's, and um, yeah, so now he's called by God and he says, who am I? Who am I? And I think we often respond to this as, why me? Like, why, why are you calling me to this? Um, the reason why I love this story and the reason why I love the story of Moses so much is because it relates to myself. I, I, I relate to this so much in my life. When I read the story, I'm continually reminded in the work God has done in my own life and how many times I've tried to reason with him or plea with him. Um, when I worked at a group home, the other staff knew me as Mr. No Commitments. I was the guy that worked paycheck to paycheck. I was in and out as fast as I could go and I got really good at it. I got really good at not committing to anything. And during this time, I also felt distant. I felt distant from God. I felt distant from my friends. I felt like I was in a desert, like in a valley. Um, and I also felt distant from God. Um, and there was no growth in my life. And the reason why is simple. I found this new ability that I could avoid commitment. And I found a way to avoid God completely. Any time that I felt there was growth, I managed to avoid it. And I allowed myself to avoid any transition that came my way. Um, yeah, the value of my life lasted until I had made the decision to go to Bible school. Um, the thought of going popped into my mind and it never left. It was in my mind for three years and I just couldn't get it past. Like, God, why do you keep on telling me to go to Bible school? Like, this is not something I want to do. I'm not a student. I'm not a, like, this is not for me. And I had so many excuses in mind. Like, God, like, I have a good job. Like, I'm getting paid fairly well. I just bought a new car. I have my friends. Like, there's, my life is going well. Why do you want me to get rid of everything to go to Bible school? It did not make sense to me. But after three years of just wrestling with this, I'm like, okay, like, I'm done with these excuses, God. Like, what's, what is next? And I will never forget that decision to go to Bible school. Like, it was such a good decision in my life. And from that, I've realized, and this brings me to my first point, that transition begins when excuses end. Transition begins when excuses end. It doesn't matter how many excuses I've tried to give. It doesn't matter how many times Moses pleaded to God. God continually reminds Moses, I am in control. I will be with you. And the same for us. How many of us are sitting in this room today, one excuse away from making a change? Making a change that will change, like, like that will affect the rest of our life. How many of us are sitting there with one excuse? Um, if that's you, I encourage you. I encourage you to read the rest of Moses. Read the rest of Exodus. Read the rest of Moses' story and see how God worked through Moses and see how God can work through you. Because healthy transition begins when our excuses end. Um, the next story I want to focus on this morning is in the Gospel of John. It's chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. This is the story of the healing at the pool. 
And it says, sometime later, John, uh, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Um, one who was there has, had been in, an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone goes ahead of me. Then Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Jesus had just come from Galilee and arrived in Jerusalem from the, for this Jewish festival. It doesn't specify which festival it was, but this would have been a huge event with many people there. Um, and Jesus would have wanted to partake in that festival, but I also think he had another agenda in mind, and that was to heal this man by the pool. It's interesting that it says there's a great number of disabled people there, and out of all of them, out of all the people there, Jesus chose the one that has been there for 38 years. 38 years of waiting, and finally, Jesus arrives, and it's time to heal this man. Um, do you ever feel like you're in the right place at the right time, like everything just lines up perfectly, like all the dots are connected? Do you ever feel like it just everything just happens so unexpectedly, but somehow it all works out? There's a word for that, a coincidence. And I want to challenge us with the thought that the next time we use the word coincidence, we look at the situation and how everything just happens to work out, how everything just fell into place, and we would look at this and consider this a God incident. It's not just at random that this man was chosen. It's not at random that it all worked out. I think Jesus picked this man to teach us a valuable lesson. And the lesson is, and my second point, transition begins when our timing ends. Transition begins when our timing ends. We have an idea in our mind that in order for us to follow through with the next transition in our life, we need to be ready. We need to have all our ducks in a row. We need to, have our, we need to be financially secure. We need to have a plan of action. We struggle with, a, with this a lot in our culture today because we, want to make a we won't make a commitment unless it is on our timing. It's interesting that Jesus asks the paralyzed man a question, and a question that seems, it seems rather silly, like, do you want to get well? Um, like, Jesus, this guy's been paralyzed for 38 years. Of course he wants to get well. Of course he wants to be better. But the, para the paralyzed man's response is different than what I would have expected. Instead of being cheerful and ex excited, the man responds with, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone goes ahead of me. The paralyzed man is waiting for the water to be stirred. He's waiting for that perfect moment, but he can never make it in time. And I think in our own lives, if we wait for that 100% perfect moment, we end up missing our moment. Um, when we end up missing and when we end up missing the moment of Jesus asking us, do you want to get well? It's believed that for, from time to time, an angel or a disturbance would stir this water in the pool, and the first one into the water would be cured of any diseases, of any, any sicknesses, any illnesses. And the man's been waiting in there for 38 years, but he didn't realize he was in the presence of the healer. How often are we stuck in a rut? How often are we in a place um, where, we're, where, we, where we are postponing um, something because we want to save a little bit more. We want to be a little bit more secure in some areas, so we postpone transition. Do you ever wonder how many opportunities we've missed because we want to do things on our timing? 
on our agenda? Could it be possible that while we're waiting for God to come down and do something, God is waiting for us to come up and do something? Um, is it possible that we've been waiting for the right time, but all the dots are already connected, and God's just waiting for us to obey? He's just waiting for us to be obedient. He's waiting for us to put our timeline aside and begin to trust that he is in control and that his timing is perfect. I think this goes, um, goes for others as well in our life. We see someone and we think, like, they've been in this spot for a long time. Like, they're, they're never going to change. They've always dealt with this sin. They've always dealt with this struggle. Maybe it's anger, um, greed, anxiety, depression. And you're like, okay, this person has been in this place forever. They're not going to change. This is who they are. And this story is a prime example that just because someone isn't stuck in one spot in life does not mean there isn't hope. Maybe a lifestyle, um, maybe a struggle, it doesn't matter what it could be, but if we underestimate that person's ability in life, we're not only estimating, underestimating them to make a change, but we're also underestimating God's power to work a miracle in their life. After 38 years, you could assume this man would have given up everything, um, uh, would have given up ever being healed, but there is always hope. It doesn't matter where you are in life or how long you've been in one spot. There is always hope for healing. But that healing in our life, that healing in your life, that transition in life only happens through God and not through our perfect moments that we try to make. I love the way Paul puts it in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. He says, for it is by grace that we've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. It is by grace that we have been saved, not from ourselves. It is by grace that we have been changed. It is through grace we've been able to make this transition. We never earned it. We never worked for it. It is God's handiwork prepared for us in advance. It's never been that perfect moment. It's always about faith and believing God is working in our lives. Transition begins when our timing ends. The last story I want to focus on today is found in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 10, 17 to 22. And this is the rich in the kingdom of God. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell to his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Um, The rich man had fallen to his knees before Jesus. He has kept all the commandments since he was a child. This man had done everything right, but he could not give up one thing. And that was the thing that Jesus was asking him to do, to give up his wealth. Um, Some of you might be thinking, like, if you're a student or if you just graduated from school, you're like, well, this doesn't apply to me. I have no money anyway, so I can't give up my wealth, so I'm not going to listen to this part. Well, that's wrong. You're not in the clear on this part either. And for those of you who might be a little bit more financial secure, you're not in the clear either. This is for all of us. And I want to challenge us um, that this is, and yeah, I want to challenge us, and this is my last point. Transition begins when we give in. Transition begins when we give in. 
Money is like the easiest topic to pick out on here. Money is the easiest thing it says to give up your riches. But I also think this is a pride issue. Pride is an issue that is tough to talk about. It's something that we, are, we aren't comfortable with because we all are prideful people. Maybe we're prideful about our jobs or the things that we own or maybe it's our status or maybe it's the way that, that we look. We all have pride. And an example of my own life is the pride of wanting, to, like the wanting to be right. I want to be right all the time. If I'm, if I'm driving somewhere, I'll make a wrong turn, but I'll say like I'm sightseeing or I, I just, yeah, I know where I'm going. Like we will do anything in our power um, to, yeah, say that we aren't wrong. Anyone else have that same struggle? Like I will go the wrong way and be like, yep, yeah, this is, I totally meant to do this, Esther. Don't worry, like I got it. I know what I'm doing. Yes, that is where I find my pride. And I'm not sure where you guys are, but everyone has their own thing that they're prideful about. Sometimes our pride will get the best of us. We'll try to convince ourselves we are in the right because we want to give in, or we don't want to give in. We don't want to let go um, or make ourselves vulnerable. Pride is a dangerous thing, and if we don't check ourselves, if we don't get over ourselves, we will be the ones, like the rich man, walking away sad. The rich man ran up to Jesus and asked, what must I do? What can I do, Jesus? And Jesus says to him, give up the thing that you hold dearest. Give up the thing that you love the most. Give up what you associate your identity with. Give up your wealth. Give up your pride. And give in. I know doing this is easier said than done. And Jesus agrees with that too. Jesus says in verse 27, with man, that is impossible. This is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. For the rich, for the rich man, the thing he needed to get rid of, and the thing that he was... Um, the thing that he was devoted to was his money. But what is holding us back from making that next decision to become fully devoted followers of Christ? So before I wrap up, um, I just want to invite the, the band to come up, but um, I want to ask the same question, the same question that I started this morning with, which is, what is your next step toward becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ? And what's stopping us from making it? Maybe it's baptism. Maybe baptism has been that next step on your heart. Maybe that's the thing that's been bothering you for the longest time. Um, classes start today, so you're lucky. You're, you're, in, you're in the clear there. You can start today. Um, maybe this is a transition that's been going on for years, and you've been meaning to take it, but the timing has just not been right. Or you feel like maybe you're too young. Or maybe you feel like you're too old for baptism. Maybe you feel like you aren't ready or you're not good enough. If this is you, I want to challenge you and encourage you to consider um, getting baptized. In Acts 2.38, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the, of the Holy Spirit. What's holding us back from making that transition? Maybe the next transition is becoming a member here. Maybe you've been attending here for a couple months or maybe a couple years, but you just haven't made that decision. You haven't made that commitment to make this your home. If that's you, I encourage you, make Deer Run your home. Make this church a home. Or maybe you're sitting here today this next step, this next transition into life is making the decision to follow Christ. It's scary, it's unfamiliar, it pushes us out of our comfort zone, and it is a hard transition, if not one of the hardest transitions you'll ever have to make, but it is worth it every time to make that decision to follow Christ. So wherever you are in life, I want to encourage you to give in and take that next step to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Transition begins when our excuses end. Transition begins when our timing ends. Transition begins when we give in. In our life, transition begins when we let God in. Let's pray. Dear God, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for um, the church. 
what a beautiful picture it is to be in a body of believers that are here to follow you, Lord. And I want to pray for those that are here today with, with a tough question, do I want to make this transition, Lord? I just want to encourage them to push through it, push through the excuses or the timing or whatever it is, Lord, just to give in to your calling, Lord. Whether it's baptism or becoming a member or, or a certain struggle in life, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and we would encourage them to make this next step, Lord, because you make miracles happen, Lord. You move through us. So I just want to pray for us today that we can be willing to make that next step. Amen.